Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment, and as usual, it is my honor to accept the invitation as the one that has presented to us and is with honor and is with gracious gratitude uh, that we accept, and we are so excited to have this person here today to teach you and I uh, how she walked her journey What tools did she utilize to become who she is today so that you and I can become better human spirits while we occupy this planet of ours and that we can learn to love each other and grow as human spirits? Dr. Turker, help us to welcome you into this new family that you have just have the experience to enjoy. This is Threads of Enlightenment. I thank you for coming. I am so excited to begin this conversation. You have no idea. Tell us about yourself. Aloha, Ken. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm very happy to be here in this beautiful community that you have cultivated and created. I am Dr. Heather Tucker. I work with entrepreneurs, especially um, also caregivers and coaches who want to really achieve success in business and life harmony, because it really is two sides of the same coin. We never want to get so busy making a living that we forget to make a life. And it really is about working smarter, not harder, stressing less, strengthening our relationships, leading with much more energy, ease, and momentum so we can also create time, money, and emotional freedom. Um, (laughs) It's interesting because my journey, my PhD is totally not in what Mm. I do now, Um, but my journey actually started with entrepreneurship. So I'm a country girl from Virginia. I um, was raised, born and raised with both parents. Both my parents are also doctors in education. And um, one of the things that they told me when I was a kid was, Mm -hmm. you know, never always one thing no one can ever take away from you is what you know. Right. And this, and so that's why it's Mm -hmm. important to learn as much as you can. And if you think about that, it comes from a place of struggle. It comes from a place of lack. It comes yeah. from a, a yep. history of things being taken away from us, if that makes sense. And um, my family is a family of entrepreneurs. My first situation with entrepreneurship was my grandfather. My grandfather, mm-hmm. he uh, was, when he passed away, he was the richest black man on the shore where we live. He sold tires, melt names, let's talk right. tires. He sold tires and coal and he did so much for the community. And he was murdered when I was five. 
Um, they mm. never found out who did it. He was uh, uh, considered really just another dead black man. And it was so yeah. sad because it's like, oh, what, what did I tell myself yeah. in this? Don't put yourself out there because something could happen yeah. to you. And that doesn't really work well when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. And similar to previous traumas that we've had in our family, we put our feelings yeah. in our pocket and we keep going. Yeah. But the reality is they never go anywhere. So I grew up and I worked hard in school. Um, there was some, even some trauma that I experienced a year before. Yeah. A year before that, I was um, molested by a family member and I didn't yeah. know what had happened. I didn't, it's one of those things that the mind will suppress trauma. Whenever there's a significant emotional event, it'll suppress it to keep you safe. But I grew up with a lot of trust yeah. issues and I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on school. And that's exactly what I did. Relationships sucked. School was amazing. And so I graduated at 18 um, from high school, graduated age at 20 wow. with my bachelor's, 25 or 23 wow. with my master's. And then by the time I was 27, I had my PhD. Mm-hmm. And um, by 28, I had, quote unquote, my dream job. I was an intelligence technologies researcher for the Army, traveling mm-hmm. the world, teaching. Um, I also was teaching at the local community college, computer fundamentals and applications. And where is the the yeah. world or society with see yeah. me as totally successful? There was so much misery inside. Yeah. So much um to the point where i'm like why am i even here what is even going on you know a mm-hmm. lot of times for those of us who are called for amazing things we get to the dark night of the soul where it's like mm-hmm. what yeah. in the world is happening how can we be able to overcome these things why is my mind so crazy why do i feel so conflicted <laughs> And so I went on a journey. I, I was like, all right, if you ask God, he yeah, will tell yeah. you. And so I was like, all right, God, I don't know what's going on, but I need you to help me figure this out. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. where society would say, you know, continue your permanent six-figure position yeah. and be miserable. God is saying, you know, I'm calling you for something greater. I'm calling you for um, to be able to, yeah. to be the light of the world and be able to support people mm-hmm. and helping step into their own empowerment. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm leaving the government and I want to help people. (laughs) And she says, well, of course, my dad is like, have you lost your mind? You only got 20 more years. Yeah. And um, my my mom was like, well, you better make sure you get paid for it. And then I discovered life coaching and I took a class and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then I was like, "Okay, well, I know in order for me to really be good at this, I got to keep going. I got to keep going with my personal professional development. I got to be able to continue the support. It's so easy to get stuck in these things. Um, but yeah, I started this company about seven years ago. And now uh, we do professional training and coaching. Wow. I teach and certify other life coaches. I've certified about 400 coaches to date, all different areas, all different modalities. Mm-hmm. And I love, one of the biggest things I love is working with emotions. Yeah. Helping people. Um, the yeah. core of our, of our coaching program is emotional yeah. intelligence. We can't control the things that are happening, but we can control how we respond. And the greatest power is in our response. So it's funny. I was asking my sister a couple of days ago, was I an emotional child? And she's like, oh, yes, you were so emotional. Like, seriously, like if a tree falls, you cry. 
And it's so funny because I do be, I remember being blown away by my emotions if something happened. And and it's like, the goal is to be able to be like the sailboat, understanding your emotions, Mm -hmm. not letting them captivate you, own and honor your emotions and your energy, where they come from. All of the, the patterns of the mind, all of the mm-hmm. patterns of the heart, breaking free from all of those things. So therefore we can live more in the present. If we don't heal the things that have hurt us, yeah. then they become big mountain yeah. blocks and we end up vomiting emotionally all over other people that don't deserve it. And the reality is, um, once you have that clarity of what's going on, where have you been healing the past? We can be able to live more mm-hmm. in the present and have a bigger vision for the future. We don't have to have a great past to have a great future. And we can be able to recreate and restore ourselves each and every day. I feel like there's so many people, like, so I-, I love working with people who've gone through yeah. trauma, post-traumatic stress. Um, yeah. I did a lot of work with the military. My husband is actually a Purple Heart yeah. Marine Corps veteran. He did two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and came back with post-traumatic stress. So I understand even how to to be able to navigate and deal and work with people who may not know how to communicate, who may not understand where yeah. their emotions or their triggers are coming from. We can literally be the chain that can change the world when we look at the change the way that we look at things. And a lot of it sometimes can deal with our mindset, how to break mm-hmm. free from maybe a victim mindset to a more uh, victorious mindset. Uh, a lot of times it's also yeah. healing the heart, healing heart wounds. Tr- heart wounds sometimes create blind spots. Yeah. So helping people get to the core of who they are. So therefore there's authenticity, there's transparency, there's aloha. So here, here, here you are, you've laid out a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I think that's what shows your, the power that is you. But I want to go back a little more, Dr. Dr. Tucker, just yeah. a little more, because I want to talk to this. Uh, I want to talk about this trauma and how did you manage your trauma as you grew and um, because people need to uh, understand that there is a way out that even though you are traumatized and, and anyone that's listening to my podcast know that I absolutely believe that everyone is um, to some degree and we're moving through life uh, out of uh, our trauma. How you said you were traumatized in several ways. Um, at the the of course the abuse the, the sexual abuse but also I want to talk to you about the when you said about your parents not having um, when they told you make sure you get yours and stuff like that how did that make you feel as an individual how did you start protecting yourself how did it affect you personally so you know um, it's almost like a lot of of I remember feeling like no one understands how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to make people feel like they're alone. Yeah. No one understands how they feel. They're in it by themselves. Yeah. Right. I always knew that I was called for something like there was this awareness, yeah. but it felt like a very lonely place mm-hmm. because I look around and I'm like, well, these other people are not aware. Am I the only one aware? <laughs> What's wrong with mm-hmm. me? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the trauma that I experienced created a lot of trust issues. It's, 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 you want to talk about like generational. So it's almost like think about generational trauma. 
my parents were also traumatized. There was uh, where my grandpa, grandma's, you know, brother went missing. Like these people would just, there was so much trauma. If you go back even to slavery times that there were just in the survival mode, right? We're in this kind of survival, even emotionally. And I recognize the patterns and the lineage, you know, in my family. Um, If you would have asked me, years ago, like maybe seven, eight years ago, how was your childhood? Mm-hmm. I would have totally said, oh, it was great. You know, I mean, it was cool. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Because a lot of times we go through trauma, we don't remember mm-hmm. it and we just um, suppress it and we don't even recognize, oh, this is what led to this yeah. present. Um, so how I felt as a child was very lonely, mm-hmm. like very isolated. Um, I felt like no one really knew what was going on with me. And it was really when I discovered computers. So that's one of the reasons why I talk about technology harmony, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, especially right now, technology, our phones, video games, a lot of that is being used as emotional control. Yeah. And emotional suppression. And so I found my computer, my love in computers. And I thought, oh, this is the one thing that will never let me down. <laughs> It'll never break my heart, right? <laughs> so I had so much, such an emotional relationship with my computer. It's so funny and it's so true. But I didn't even realize to what detriment mm. until I actually got out of that. Industry. So it was, what it did was it made me stay busy. Yeah. If I stayed busy... It was safer for me to not talk to people or not have to deal with relationships. You know, there was a lot of losses, a lot of death, even from like people I went to school with. So I grew up thinking, okay, if I'm busy, I won't have to have these deep level relationships with people. Wow. And the reality is we're called to be, the Hawaiian word is lokahi, yeah. one, not uni- united, yeah. connected. We're called to be able to be around people. Yeah. Um, but that trauma made me want to stay away. So if that makes how, sense. Yeah. Um, so how did you, because um, that is an important piece because uh, it, your gift, and I tell people your gift is usually behind that trauma, dealing with it. Um, how did you um, finally had to sit down and do that? And I agree with you with technology in Eastern, in Western civilization. And I see it now in the Eastern civilization where I'm at, that technology is being used to keep us so busy that um, we, uh, we lose the fact that we are not we're staying busy in order not to face ourselves. Uh, you know, Doc, one of these days I want to, I would like to really take a look deeper about even our race. Our race is a traumatized race and, um, we hide behind our, uh, and most people do this too. They hide behind sports. Uh, they hide behind s- stuff to hide their pain, but they carry that pain all the way when they become famous and, and successful and, and everything. And you always wonder why some of these successful people behave certain ways because they haven't really dealt with the pain that they've, uh, suffered as a young, a young person. Uh, they carried it with them and then it, it just make them, uh, act kind of crazy as they say. But I, I one of these days I'd like to go into a little deeper to see how it affects us whole as a race. Um, uh, because we kind of hide trauma and stuff like that. We're a traumatized race. But anyway, how did you deal with this specific thing with um, people being your nemesis? 
How did you overcome that? I'm so glad that you asked that. You know, um, I want, I do want to touch on that race part for a moment because visual discrimination is actually the worst. Yeah. And because, you know, you can't, you know, they talk about not judging a book by its cover. Yeah. And growing up in Virginia and actually moving down to Florida, um, you know, I was able to see the level of racism, the level of subjective bias, like even on an even deeper mm-hmm. level. And what it made me realize, you know, is that a lot of times, even as a um, as a race, you know, it's almost like it makes you feel less yeah. than. It makes you feel yeah. not good enough. It makes you feel like you have to work um, much harder. harder to be able to consider equal. Yeah. And all of these things happen in our unconscious. Like, so our mind, right, is, it has a lot to do with how we behave. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people wonder, like, oh, this person is so successful. Why did they turn to the left? Well, there's a lot of unresolved yep. stuff there. And you can only stuff it down so, so much. much before it comes up like a volleyball in many different places and hits you in the face. Or you don't understand why in the world that you were, um, you were acting. But actually... It is the behaviors that are um, the indicator of what's really going yeah. on. So I remember, um, you know, when I was working for the army, I was the only black female. I was the only black and I was the only female. Mm. And I was on a team of white male. And I remember the subconscious feeling of like not feeling safe or not feeling like they, um, that they have my best interests at heart or... Um, like that we're really a team, right? It was almost like that division yeah. still pers- in that. And um, what caused me to wake up was really my behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, I used I used to drink a lot. I don't even drink now. It's so interesting. I might have a glass of wine here or yeah. there, but it would be like literally after work, I would want to go to happy hour. I used to live for happy yeah. hour, finding out which place and where. And I recognized that all this was me stuffing down emotion, yeah. me stuffing down the difficulties of the day or the stress. And a lot of times we create this additional stress on ourselves. So when I was working my dream job, I had like two other jobs. Hmm. When I was working on my PhD, I had like four <laughs> jobs. And it's like, who does that, right? (laughs) So it's funny because we get so busy that we don't know how to be. Like if we only had to, and I think that's what happened with this pandemic. Yes. It caused people to really. I believe. Yes. It was a beautiful gift. I mean, I know it caused a lot of, um, you know, difficulties and heaviness and losses, but it also caused us to pay attention to what's important. It caused us to really pay attention to ourselves and, you know, and our families and that the most important things aren't things, right? I agree. So what really led me to enough was enough was actually the Trayvon Martin situation. Mm. I was 20 minutes awake. So I would see, you know, this was only because it was recorded or there was, you know, but there were so many similar situations happening down there in Florida yep. like that. Um, and I'm from Florida. It was, oh, you so are. I know. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. my husband's from Miami yeah. and he was telling me stories about how, you know, he was harassed by the cops Same. just for walking on the street Same here. when Orlando. he was like a teenager. Uh, my kids are yeah. the same. They came to my house uh, we clo- we um, it was over thirty times they came to my house uh, claiming 
my neighbor was an ex-cop and because I had four boys that were living with me and they have different friends, you know. So there were always kids coming in and out based on which one of my son was home. Um, and so he would tell them that there were drugs. We were, we were a drug house. And so, oh man, they, they harassed us for over 40 something days in one month. I actually lost it. I went into the, to the, um, police station and I said, who's the chief? Bring him to me. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I said, um, I want a record of every time you came here to my house. I said, we've, we've spoke to this man. I went over to him. I said, there is no drugs in my house. I said, bring dogs, bring whatever you want. But I said, if you do not stop, I will bring the news into this place and I will turn this city upside down. And they stopped. You know, wow. Ken, I I am so sorry to hear about what you've gone through. And I can only imagine how you felt. Young boys, my sons, it traumatized them. It does. You know, um, one of the reasons why we left Orlando, you know, I didn't feel safe for my husband to go grocery shopping. Yeah, it's like that. How sad is that? Yeah. You know, tall, dark, and handsome. And me being light-skinned, black female, Mm -hmm. experienced different discrimination. But when I recognize, oh, I have a, a little boy and he's so cute now, but then when he gets older, he's considered a threat. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no, we're not going to, we're not going to be in that environment. I want him to be able to, to own and honor the beauty of, he, of who he is inside yeah. and out. And I just felt like Orlando wasn't safe. Yeah. It wasn't safe for him to grow up there. Um, it was just, it was sad mm-hmm. because a place that it's is so beautiful, beautiful yeah. that, you know, most people love to go to has so much trauma underneath. I think that's most tourist cities. Yeah. They see the glamour and the glitz, but they have no idea what the struggles are within the communities, especially the black community. The black community in Orlando is is a traumatized community. I, I, one of my friends were lawyers and um, that I hung out with that I knew both prosecutors and and, um, defending uh, uh, guys. I know some of the top lawyers in Orlando. Um, one of my good friends uh, was a lawyer at the Trevor Martin case. Um, and so I know the trauma because I would be out with my friends and uh, when we were going out and they would call me and tell me to call because they all, um, you know, took care of my kids and hung out with my kids and say, they'd call me and tell, tell me, tell the boys not to go out tonight. Or if I'm going somewhere, they'll say, just be stay away from this area tonight and stuff like that because they were going in basically to traumatize the young black men. So yeah, it's, it's Ugh. my family and I, we, we, we went through a tremendous amount of trauma in, in, in Florida based on racism, uh, as a whole. And, um, it truly has affected my children. Um, Dr. Tucker, uh, I'll give you an example. My youngest boy, he had left and, uh, he was in Vietnam and I came to visit, uh, my son, Joshua, and I looked at him and I said, Joshua, are you going back home? And uh, we were sitting down having uh, lunch and he looked at me, he continued to eat and he looked around, he lifted his eyes up, he looked around for a few minutes and then he looked at me and he said, no. I said, why? He said, he said here I am in Vietnam. The American army uh, traumatized these folks here, this nation, and I feel safer here than I do in America. He said, I will never go back. That to me, and I couldn't answer that the young man, uh, because I was there when they were going through all of their thing. 
how can I answer this young man? What can I say to him? Because I was there when he was traumatized. Um, his life was abs absolutely destroyed. I can't even tell you what they did to this young man. He went to visit a friend, Doc. Uh, he just walked in. He went to see his friend. Um, he walked into the house. He didn't see them. He walked in the back of the yard. This is in Florida. He walked into the back of the yard, and he saw them lifting weights in the next house, and it was empty. He told them, he said, guys, let's go get out of there before someone called the cops. Someone did call the cops and accuse my son of stealing and the boys of stealing and being in a gang and changed their life. You know, so it, these young, the young black men, and that's why I said I, I need to, we need to put something together to talk about our race being a race that is traumatized within the um, the American system, uh, the America country, that all of it is designed to break us in some case. And it is amazing what uh, the black race has done in order to, to uh, accomplish what it's accomplished today. Racism in every single institution that we have in the United States and America, um, in the healthcare, in, in buying a house, uh, I mean, everything, I can tell you stories about that. But this is what the trauma um, coming from, you know, this that has been uh, leveled at this people. And the black race don't seek out counseling or anything. We try to handle some of that in church, but church, black church don't even go into that level of, of getting to uh, know who the person is. So when I hear stuff like what you're doing, Doc, it, it excites me because you're looking at uh, a ray of sunshine with the programs that you have and the ability to be reaching out to, to reach people that are in trauma. So, um, I, I tip my hat off to the service that you do provide as one that have gone through their journey. And now you are, um, I say to some people all the time that the reward for walking through one's journey and uh, uh, coming through is that you get a chance to now serve your fellow mankind. And from the place of your journey, you became empathetic because you had to learn how to love yourself, Doc. And that's what I want you to talk about because you are expressing certain things that we all need to come to grips about with us as individual. You talk about the safety that you felt uh, you didn't feel with the, the people that you're working with. You talk about the safety with your family. All of these things one have to overcome look into themselves, fall in love with themselves, and still manage as a as an individual to be a mother, a a a partner, a husband, a wife, and all of these things, a business owner, an entrepreneur, uh, to be successful while we're here on this planet. I want you to talk to them, Doc, about um, you know, the journey that you had as an individual to become one a lover of yourself. So um so I mentioned and I appreciate you sharing these the these journeys and the I don't even talk about these about. things, man. 
Yeah. Well, see, and and so it was when I say that it was the Trayvon Martin situation that really transformed everything yeah. for me. You know, I would see it on the news. I'm seeing all the stuff happening. And with this situation, he was the same age as my nephew. And uh, people would talk about, oh, he was just not this good kid and blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm like, you know, regardless, he was still just a kid. Yeah. And it literally the day that George Zimmerman got let off. Yeah. I had had yeah. the most successful day of my entire career mm-hmm. where I had facilitated an international workshop conference full day. Um, it was like 80 people in the room and I was just rocking it out. Um, there was no congratulations or great job from my team, mm-hmm. but there was from the audience themselves. Yeah. And I go to the... Um, I'll go to the hotel room and I turn on the news and I see that he got let off yeah. and all I did was cry. Yeah. And I called my mom and I'm like, what the hell is this? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, mm-hmm. Heather, like, um, unfortunately these things will continue. You know, we can't control the things that are happening, but we can be able to do our part. Yeah. So I'm literally sitting in the meeting the next day and I'm like, you know what? This is enough. I'm no longer going to sit by and see these things happen, I'm going to be part of the solution. I don't know what that is, Mm -hmm. but I know Mm -hmm. that, you know what, when there's no enemy within, the enemy without can't touch you. And for those who have gone through um, oppression and discrimination are called for so many amazing things that people are fearful of their life. But what happens is sometimes what what they've gone through, their light is so dim. Mm -hmm. And I recognize, okay, my light is dim at this. Let me go ahead and be able to figure out what, go back and heal the pattern of where I went wrong, where my limiting beliefs are, where my limiting thoughts are, where my negative mindset is. See, it's almost like taking charge of your own life. Exactly. Being the captain of your ship. Mm -hmm. You're the master of your fate. And so what happens is because of the trauma that people have experienced, they get caught up in the victim mindset. I understand like, oh my gosh, everything is, I have no control of my life. I have no control of how things are. This is all, this trauma attracts trauma. Mm -hmm. Chaos attracts chaos. My life is always going to be chaotic. All of these different things that we continue to perpetuate. And the reality is, I know for me, that was this deciding factor. I'm done with this. I'm ready to do something about it. But then when I first figured out, oh my gosh, I can be able to help people. Before I help other people, I have to really be able to help myself. See, we can't give what we don't Mm -hmm. have. We can't pour out from an empty cup. So we can be the work in progress and the masterpiece at the same time. But one of the things that's so important, like um, I I learned a lot about the struggles that coaches have. You know, a lot of times we'll take a class. There's so many people that have taken a class and then they're not living their calling. Mm -hmm. What gets in their way? Their limiting beliefs, their doubts about being able to do it. They're like, how, how can I help other people in relationships if my relationships suck? Or how can I help other people (laughs) in this, in life if my life is chaotic? Well, you can be the work in progress and the masterpiece at the same time. Mm-hmm. You do the work and you only have to be one step ahead of the people that you support. Yep. So my mission and my desire is to let people know, you know what? Though you have lived your life thinking that you're less than, I want to show you that you're more yeah. than. You know, I want to show you that everyone has a lion or a lioness inside, yeah. just waiting to be able to come out and unleash this greatness and own this uniqueness in this world. 
I'm here to let you know that you can break every single chain that is preventing you from total success. Not only the stuff that's happened in your lifetime, but even breaking the chains of the generational yep. patterns mm-hmm. uh, on the family. So therefore you can create a new lineage, a new legacy. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love entrepreneurship yes. because the only person that I have to answer to is God and the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then total control. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone has that ability. I know it might be fearful for people. Yeah. A lot of times going off into uncharted territory is very scary. But you know what? It's so also worth yes. it. Because you know what? Like working, um, entrepreneurship, anybody, there's a natural gift and a talent, the ability that everyone has. And each of them are unique. And when you own and honor that, the riches are worth far more than anyone could pay you for. Yeah. Like, it's just beautiful. My dad told me, he's like, are you ever going to go back to the government? And I said, the government will never be able to afford mm-hmm. me. What I have learned <laughs> in entrepreneurship, what I have learned on this journey is absolutely priceless. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, entrepreneur, I told him, I said, um, uh, uh, G- Jesus started, I would tell people, because my background is from the church. I tell him, Jesus started, a, he was an entrepreneur. He started, um, uh, he, he was a life coach. Uh, every time the disciples uh-huh. did something, he's like, where's your faith? He's like, I, I, I'm, you know, you could do just like me. Where is your faith? And a life coach basically points it back to you and said, there is greatness within you. And that's what Jesus was saying to them. There's greatness in you. Um, you can walk on water. We saw Peter walk on water just like he did. You just, you know, um, I hear people always say, is the one person walking water? No, there was two. There's another man called Peter uh, that jumped out and walked around with Jesus. Um, so, but there's greatness within you. But the ingredients that you need is what you alluded to. And fear is the killer of your fate. When you, an entrepreneur is one who steps out in faith. Um, where they don't know sometimes where anything leads, but they take that step. And as you take that first step, then, uh, and you stay with it, you're, something begins to happen to you. And I told him, I said, that first step is for you. It builds your confidence. As you said, you will have your a little nervous uh, there as well, but you keep focused, going, no, this is what I want. And as you focus and stay focused on, I believe that uh, the other things, the material things, the money and all the other stuff will manifest because you are moving in the direction of where you ought to be. And that place of entrepreneurship, it is a place um, we are called to change the destiny of generation from where the sins of the fathers have been plaguing us. And uh, I believe that God is trying to get one person in that family to wake up to break that uh, cycle to go from one generation to another. And those that take the the call, it is a difficult, but it, one of the most rewarding uh, thing. It is difficult because you don't know where it's going to be. And so you, as you, you have some angst about things, but it's beautiful because you don't know where it's going to be. <laughs> That's so absolutely true. You know, it's funny. As soon as I said, um, and and I'll share with you, I'm so glad that you mentioned Jesus because the question or the the name of the company, Another Level Living, it really is a Christian-based company. It talked about, mm-hmm. or the message that I got with the word Another Level Living when he gave me the, he said that 
you know, if Jesus had died on the cross and our sins have been forgiven, the question is, have we forgiven ourselves? Have we forgiven other people? There is another level. And it's about being able to do exactly that. So therefore we can be able to see the big picture and come together on one accord, Mm -hmm. even more, um, more deeply owning and honoring each part. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's it's beautiful because you don't know what it's going to lead to. It's almost like as soon as I said, I'm going to become a life coach, <laughs> then all these darts started coming. <laughs> like I felt like the battles just got so real. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? And I, I remember asking God a couple of, um, I was leading a Bible study in my local church on Gideon. And um, one of the questions I asked God during that time was like, why the heck did you have me go through all of this hellaciousness Mm -hmm. in all areas of life at all levels? And he said, so that you can fully know the woes of my people in order to best be of service to them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's a privilege honor that is given to us because I believe God can trust you because he knows that you will not. Uh, number one, you will not, um, uh, uh, you, you would not waste the lesson. You will not be a prideful person when you come out. He can trust that you will be humble enough to then begin to, uh, assimilate what you have learned from the journey into a, a dish by which you can now satisfy someone else. You bring it to their level that they can partake of that journey, that revelation that you have given. Um, I talk about um, uh, my people that hear me, you know, I, I talk about my, my my Lord Jesus and I, t- I, I tell by my, my faith that Jesus, the Bible says, and I tell people to locate your statement of faith. And the reason why I say that, uh, um, and you said it, you said, I want to be a life coach. And when you decide something, the scripture says, decide a thing and it shall be established. We use the wrong word in Job. It says declare, but the the Hebrew language is decide. And I believe you have to decide before you can declare. So, um, but once you have decided a thing, the the remainder of this piece that uh, principle is that it shall be established. And so then what happens is you are then presented the opportunity to put in the work because faith without works is dead. So you have the opportunity by which you put in the work, you gain the knowledge, and as you gain the knowledge, God begins to give you the, uh, the uh, we call it the revelation, a deeper revelation on a subject so that then you can become even more effective when that person presents. Because when they present to you, you are speaking from revelation. Revelation simply means you own that message that you're about to talk about. It's mm-hmm. you. You've got the revelation. You've been, it's been revealed in you. And so now as it's been revealed in you, it becomes you. There is not a single person on the planet that can take that information from you, that revelation. And that revelation, the Bible says, is good for you to your grand, your children's children. Mm, So all I can say to that, amen, it's so true. You know, um, and and so many people, you know, like one of the things, they give up yeah. or they throw yeah. in the towel right before they're about to read. Yeah. And because sometimes the bigger ba- the biggest battles come right before the biggest breakthroughs. Darkness before light, and always. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Um, so, so our motto here at Another Level Living is talking about, you know, it's a three-step process. Lean into what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
let go of what do you have to let go of so you can really be able to leap forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay focused. You know, it's a it's a easy to get distracted. Yep. It's easy to 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 go astray. You know, um, my grandmother, she's eighty. No, she's ninety four, ninety four years old. And um, my grandpa passed away uh, probably a couple years ago. And they were married for about seventy seventy some years. Wow. And um, one of the things that she would always put in our cards. Um, growing up and even still now is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't rely on your own understanding mm-hmm. and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. See, what happens is sometimes we'll get into our own head mm-hmm. and we'll focus on our own understanding. Oh, this must not be it, mm-hmm. you know, and and it'll it'll sometimes derail us. Because we're out of faith. And when we... The minute you switch, yeah. the minute you switch, um, and that's this is what I use, uh, uh, Dr. Tucker. This example, that same example that I mentioned about Peter. Jesus said to Peter, they, he saw them and he, they saw him on the water walking and they thought it was a ghost. He says, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said one word, come. And so it says this man jumps out of the boat, but he had to do that in faith to jump out of a boat. You got to remember, I tell people, you, you we, we, we read over those things really quickly, but you need to put yourself in the state of this man because faith now is going, and I tell them faith is the premier law. It over, it, it overrides every principle on this earth because it was faith that created this earth. So watch this thing with this man now. He jumps out of the boat. He walks on the thing and the water and he's walking to Jesus. And the Bible says that there was a change in the situation. It became more um uh, the wind started blowing all of it so that rec- uh, shows me that there was a change in the situation so whatever situation they're in the person in when they step out in faith they will usually do then when this the change of the situation they take their eyes off of the word that they had stepped out first and they looked around them and that was when they went back into the realm of the natural. They came out from the spiritual realm. Looked when they see that all the noise happening around them. You said it in your your pillar. Stay focused. Do not allow the noise and the wind and all that stuff. But Peter changed his eyes. He changed his focus. He didn't focus anymore on what made him step out. He focused what was around him. And the Bible says immediately he sink. So everyone that steps out from that faith, immediately they sink. It's mm-hmm. the same principle. It's not going to change. He says, I'm the same forever today, forever yesterday and today and forever. The, the principle is the same. We step out. Most people do. They'll step out in faith. But when that change of circumstances come, and it becomes rough, and the wind comes out all over. The bill collector's calling. Everybody's doing this and that. And you stay with the word of God. He says, no, the word says. The word says. It says, resist the devil and he shall flee. How you resist? Don't go back into the natural realm. Stay away from there because there is nothing there. Because if you could have done it, I tell people all the time, you would have done it before. But because you can't do it, don't move. <laughs> Right? If you could have done it, you would have done it. Yeah. You wouldn't have been in there. <laughs> so because you know. It's about courage. 
you know, having that consistent courage. Yeah. Because, like, you know, that, so I've put something on, like, courage doesn't mean that you don't get afraid. Yeah. Courage means that you don't let fear stop you. Yeah. And I think about fear. So, so it's, okay, how can we shift how we even think about fear? You know, most people, you know, we've heard false evidence appearing real, or um, one of my favorites is forget everything and run. Mm -hmm. But I like to change, I change fear for me to facing everything and rising so that we can feel everything and relax as we stay focused, as we move forward. If, if, um, it's, it's almost like that the deeper, uh, the deeper that well of your faith is, the more you can be able to count all the obstacles that come as joy. Yes. The good, the bad is ugly, you know, cause that just means you're on purpose, right? (laughs) It's a rigged game. I tell people, it says all things work together for good. So it's a rigged game. Just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great game. You just got to stay focused. Stay. And that's where, we, we, as you said, you know, people get off focus because of fear. Uh, they allow the entity to come in and unhook them from uh, from their faith. Jesus said, the devil come in and have nothing in me. What is he looking for? He's looking for fear, fear, unbelief, doubt. He's looking for all those things because when he sees those, it gives him permission to do something. Yep. And he, and he's so quick to prey on our negative emotions. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love so guiding people in that process of breaking free from that. Yeah. Breaking free from all the past-based negative emotions, all the past-based limiting beliefs yeah. inside our mind, body, and soul. So therefore, that there's that congruency because when there's that con- the um, it's almost like sometimes God is always talking. How much are we listening? Yeah. He can't get through the clutter of our mind or the clutter of our heart. But when there's a healed heart of a renewed mind and it's working on one accord, we literally become unstoppable, yes. rooted in our faith like a tree. And you know, God is the root and the tree, and we are the branches, and we produce this fruit that other people partake of, and they create their own fruit and their you know, and it just creates this beautiful ripple, yeah. this beautiful wave of just so much unconditional love and letting it be able to spread out, yeah. you know. I agree. Our, so our assignment, um, the Bible says we are from two kingdoms. One kingdom is ruled by the manifestation of the flesh, and it tells what those are. And then when we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. We now arrive in this new kingdom by being born again. And in this new kingdom, they have policies and procedures and uh, things that are now governed, that are used to govern the citizens within this new kingdom. And so as we have arrived into this new kingdom through being born again, then the Bible tells us that as we are there, a new citizen, we then ought to seek ye first the kingdom of God. We ought to seek his principles, his policies or procedures by which we have to operate in this kingdom and then follow those. And then all the other things are going to be added to you. One of the principles within the kingdom of God is that you are to love your enemies regardless of what they are and who they are, period. Yep. He said, if you don't do that, and- you, you, you ain't doing nothing. Well, see, and that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, we focus a lot on forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness is a gift 
for for not only ourselves but for the world and also for for really being able to embody the fruits of the spirit like yeah. God wants us to. You know, um forgiveness is hard for a lot of people, even forgiving them themselves. Yes. Like sometimes for some people it's easier to forgive other people. Sometimes it's harder for them easier for um, harder for them to forgive themselves. Oh, yeah. And you know, um I would talk to people and I'd say, have you ever tried to forgive somebody and you thought you had let this go and then you hear Hear something, see something, and fear something, and all of a sudden it just makes you mad all over again. And I was like, "What if there's a way to forgive the person in unconditional love and being able so that you see them again? There's no charge. You just see them as maybe a fresh start yeah. or as a new connection. See, when you understand how people behave, a lot of times how people behave and how they are and how they treat you doesn't necessarily have as much to do." with you as it does what's going on in their mind, body and soul and the conflicts that are happening. And when we really be able to, you know, understand that is when we can be able to learn even grace for them. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, the, one of the biggest tools and techniques that, uh, I show my coaches and I show, um, and I work with my clients is on forgiveness. Yeah. We have like a 10 minute process. Um, and I learned it from the Hawaiian lineage, um, called Ho'oponopono. And it means to make right, right. Yeah. Like to yeah. be able to see in the faculties of our mind, be able to forgive that person, cut the connection with them. So if we see them again, restore the energy that we put in the situation. Mm-hmm. And when we see them again, there's, um, there's, no charge on our feelings, but also we can see the good. Yeah. We can see the, um, you know, the, the blessing in that person, the, the lessons in that person. If I would have held on to all of the resentment, like a lot of times we have resentment and resentment is not good for our spirit. It's not good for our soul. It's not good for our body. Yeah. It weighs us down. All these things weigh us down. And God wants us to be free of these things oh, yeah. because yeah. Um, if we hold on to the resistance, we can push away some of the blessings that God has called us to have. And the, the last thing that I, uh, I want to talk about is a lot of times we get caught up in the doing, mm-hmm. you know, the trauma mm-hmm. that we go through, it causes us to do, 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 or spin our wheels. Right. Um, I know even when this pandemic happened for me, it's like, okay, we got to get in gear. Mm-hmm. And I found myself revving up and God is like, no, you need to be still take the pressure off. How do you want to be while you're doing the work that you're called to do? It's from our being and just our value. A lot of times when people think our value comes from what we do, yeah. it's actually a reflection of who we are. Mm-hmm. So if we step in on and honor that, how we are, our being, we're human beings, not human doing, then it actually makes it easier to do and it makes it easier to receive. And wow. I love what you guys do, Doc. I really do. And it, um, it's been an honor having you here at uh, Threads of Enlightenment. And um, I want to direct the people to go to you, those that have been traumatized, those that are needing to know who you are and to learn more about you. You need to get in touch with Dom. Um, I suggest that uh, uh, get your friends and family and everybody and just get in touch with her because her assignment that she has, if you've been listening, is a tremendous assignment, and that is one of to uh, lead you into uh, to coach and bring you to a place that you know who you are, so that you can understand and celebrate the greatness that is you, 
Donk, I want to thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. This has been absolutely amazing, a blessing, an honor for me as well to be here with you today. Thank you. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trial to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.